What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 283, and I just want to start off by saying we're sorry. We're sorry that we missed a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I can speak for myself, Steve, and then, you know, who am I, who am I here with again? Remind everybody for the... Wrong. And... Uh, you guys are gonna you know have to it. help me you, out with you this. You know it. You know it. You know it's, it. I haven't done this since last. It rhymes year. with. It uh, rhymes right? with the other hey, one. It's me, John. Folks, that was <laughs> yeah, a good yeah, that's uh Yeah, we missed a couple weeks, and I, I know we we all kind of hated that that happened. But you know, I don't know. Yeah. Holidays happened. Life happened. Some crazy stuffs happening. If, I think if we had thought we might take a month off, we would have embraced that, and we would have said in, in yeah, our last episode, definitely. "Hey, folks, we're about to take a little yeah. break." I think the holidays were just about to hit us, and then when that got away from us, it was like. It was yep. so easy for it to coast. So yes, here we are. Mm -hmm. uh, we're safely, almost at the time of yeah. this recording, safely in the new year, <clears throat> in the yeah. new era. It, yes, and, yes. And we have we're committed to content, and yes. and we are promising you that we will have content. You know, you will. Yeah. Love that is it. a that that is a factual statement. It is we will have statement. content. There yes. will be content. There, there will, will be, be content. We will figure yes. out how much, how often. Do you think we can get uh, uh, Daniel Day Lewis to do a cameo where he says probably. that? Probably. <laughs> I wonder what that one. I wonder I what that one cameo. I wonder what that one cameo would cost just for that one line. I was about to say, what if Daniel Day Lewis so was one of the guys who's like seventy-five bucks flat rate? I'll do whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he might be. I, I, I like know. The, uh, but then it's like you find out he's gone off to Tuscany or he's gone off to the Ukraine or someplace to like live for a few years to like get in character for a cameo that he's about to do. Yeah, like he, he, he became you, a podcaster to be able to read. We will right. have content. He, he learned about book binding and yeah, cobbling yeah. and, you know. How do you feel about non-athletes and non-musicians just being like, I'm retired. I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> Don't wouldn't you just like pick it up after like two years? You're like, man, this isn't this. They're not going to release anything else at this point, are they? Right. He's like, I'm yeah. retiring. I'm done with acting. Yeah, I think it's kind weird. of fluid. Like half people say that end up not doing that. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I don't really think that they're held like to it. They're not held to it like you said. Like musicians and athletes seem to be. Oops, did we just lose Steve? I think we did. Uh oh, what do we do now? I don't know. Was this planned? Do you think he ghosted us? Yeah. What? There he is. I don't know what just happened, but the whole Zoom just crashed. Are you still recording? I kept recording this whole time. Yeah, I just okay. kept. Yeah, oh, I, just okay, got, cool. I just got quiet to cut it out. You missed some great material. I'm sure oh, I did. The content was there. I have no doubt. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so was, was there anything else to say about Cameo, or should we get on to uh, maybe a couple of movies that we didn't get to talk about when they came out? That it seems like the I world. just want to ask: Am I am I already yeah. late on this? Has the band Cameo done something with Cameo yet? Oh man, that would be so good! Like, how much would you pay just to have him say, "Ronald, ow" or whatever, and then like that would be it. <laughs> Strawberry, <Raspberry>. ow. <laughs> there's got to be a commercial. There's got to be a commercial in the future for them if they. It seems like start, yes, uh, promoting a little more. That would be so good. I, yeah, I guess I'd love that. It would be entertaining in the least. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, so just real quick, like basically, since we kind of stopped recording, you know, back in the middle of December before the holidays, like a couple pretty big movies came out. The big things that we had been talking about for months and months and months about, you know, the big blockbuster coming home day and date, and there were there were really mm. kind of two that we could kind of talk about a little bit. Um, you know, Wonder Woman eighty four premiering on Disney Plus same day as theaters, and Soul coming out on Disney Plus. HBO Max, sorry. Uh, Wonder Woman 84's HBO Max, Souls Disney Plus. 
um, exclusively on Disney Plus here in the United States. So, you know, it so opened internationally in theaters where they're open and where they can, you know, exhibit the films. But, um, you know, those two films coming out, you know, right on the holidays, Christmas Day, I believe, both of them came out. It seemed, you know, you could look anywhere, I feel like, and there was no lack of just people checking in, watching one or other or both of them. And it, it did seem like there was like a mass acceptance beyond talking about the movies or the quality of the movies or what those movies mean for the franchises that they're a part of or the the, the studios that they're coming from. I just wanted to mention that like, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, it just seemed like I had never seen... I don't know that I've seen people so engaged in terms of watching something that opening weekend, maybe with the exception of like the Avengers Endgame, you know, or Infinity War, where so many people were like posting one or other or both of those titles having watched them. Yes. And, yes. you know, that, that level of engagement and, you know, just the level of, I guess access is one of the things coming to mind. Like we, we always talk about this in terms of like the people that pay money to see theater to see theatrical releases in the theater versus, you know, people that just wait for it to come home. And the fact that yeah. you had these two massive titles for 2020 kind of ending the year, um, and both of them were available, you know, as a part of a standard subscription package, not an, ex you know, an additional fee or anything like that. I just was really taken by how many people I saw posting about movies that I never see posting about movies you know, yes. on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever it was. It's just everybody seemed to be engaged in somehow, whether they liked the movie or didn't. But people were watching these movies opening weekend, and that was pretty amazing to me. Yeah, it, make, it makes me happy, man. Like, there, there's something to be said about the conversation that's been created around this whole thing. I don't know yeah. why people feel like they're they're stealing when they say I'm gonna I'm gonna subscribe and then I'm gonna unsubscribe after I watch the movie. That's right. what they want you to do. Sure. I don't know why. I don't know what, when this became like a thing where people felt like they were hustling these right. services. They want you. You've <laughs> spent the money already, and that's okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, I I think, and two movies that couldn't have been any more different. Right. Soul, sure. Pixar, you know, that the, the the home family feeling that Pixar movies bring and a popcorn action film, a superhero film that couldn't have been more different and couldn't have had more different reactions to um, diff very different receptions. So, yeah. It, How'd you, how'd you guys feel about it? I mean, I think for me, it's like you kind of alluded to this, Steve, but I just want to underline this. This is two examples of that thing we were talking about all year, which is like what's going to be the first sort of blockbuster that goes yeah. straight to home viewing. Right. And I think I think it was the perfect storm of that. Boy, that's some that's a thing. If you go back, if you want to turn this show into a drinking game, the perfect storm is something that I say too often. And I'm trying to stop saying it. Um, but so you guys help me out. Next time I say it, like, just say mean things to me or something, like, yeah, treat yeah. me bad. <clears throat> but it's the it's the perfect conflagration <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of things. But, I mean, it's like people were at home and they were used to watching things at home and they're used to sort of finding a new way to feel hyped about something. And this right, was yeah, something right. that the marketing, I think, did get out there that this was coming. And everyone is already also using social media in this way now that's a little bit more yeah. expressive. The thing you said, Steve, I hadn't really thought about that. But yes, I would say even just during COVID, people who I know who never posted about television or movies are much more likely now yeah, to say, yeah. oh, we just binged this and we're moving on to this. So it's like this was the moment when 
when yeah the and it was Christmas and I think yeah. on Christmas you already get that sense that people are just sort of checking in saying like what little family thing they're doing what thing that right. sounds like togetherness or what little right. thing that's tapping into that greater consciousness and what could be a greater way for us um, I think anyone in the world but I think particularly Americans we definitely we tap into that greater consciousness through through big shiny mass market entertainment a lot you know um yeah. so I, I yeah i felt the warmth almost in a strange way of these movies being available on that day in that way yeah. and it was it was cool uh and it made the experience of watching it kind of neat i mean all of this stuff has been sort of new but it was sort of fun to be like oh yeah the whole family's invested um in this like we watched wonder woman uh on christmas day and it was like we all have been kind of wishing for this movie and then we yeah. saw it and we renounced our wish yeah. <laughs> Yo, Transition. Bibbity bobbity boop. We take it back. We take it back. I mean, it back. I mean back. didn't hate, but but I would say the enthusiasm in the room started to kind of flag. On, yeah, it came on out. One. Whereas yeah, I would yeah. say Soul kind of continues to up the ante, and for me, it sort of went beyond what I was beginning to think a, a quote unquote Pixar formula movie would do. It once again found a found a new way uh, to tap into my feels. Um, yeah. So if if this was a derby, Soul won the Christmas Day uh, blockbuster derby. But yeah, still, I, I don't begrudge the the experience we had sitting down as a family to watch uh, Wonder Woman eighty four because that was just insane to see a movie that huge. Yeah, uh, at home. Yeah, I think um, I think have... yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. Go, go ahead, Steve. Steve, go ahead. No, I I I just wanted to echo that like it it that that feeling of something that big being just where you physically sat in your house like you know whatever your setup is you know even if somebody watched it on their tablet or their screen whatever whatever it looks like just the idea of a movie that large and, and you know and soul is no is by no means a small film like you know none of know. pixar's movies are small these are really huge productions with big budgets and years and years and years of production and um just the idea of just like being able to casually not be stressed out about anything and watch that watch that was was huge i think and you yeah. know and we and we made a big deal out of it kind of like you were saying john like that night christmas night we watched wonder woman and um you know it, it did feel like we tr we made a big deal out of it like you know and we we did our little cross-country thing with my friend in arizona and we watched it together and it's like you know and, and it just felt like a it felt like a friday night movie thing like it, it felt really nice and yeah with not with you know discussing the quality of the movie just the experience i think you know really speaks to you know what could what could be you know especially like when you're experiencing titles that are like you know really moving movies or like just really expertly done big blockbusters that you just like are buzzing about afterwards you know because i you know yeah. i didn't feel that way about wonder woman but i mean i know some people who did and that's i'm jealous of that because i want that you know you want to feel that in your home and yeah. where you're where you're most comfortable so like that's something to look forward to if that continues like some of the other you know hbo max titles that are coming out and, and even in, even within the next week or so, like I'm really looking forward to the little things, and I think that looks amazing, and I yeah. want to watch that. Oh my, you know, same thing. That night it comes out, I want to watch that in my nice little setup that I have in my basement, and I'm gonna I'm looking forward to that feeling of just being comfortable watching like a huge Hollywood production like that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, I, as you two have alluded to, um, I Wonder Woman, in 1984 felt like. Um, the rug was pulled from under us. There was a tone that the first movie had that this one does not have. It was a consistency and a feel of like, oh man, this is fresh. This woman is badass that I feel like was kind of taken from us 
for whatever reason. And and some of it may have been the reception was exceptional for the first one. So that could have done something to somebody where they're like, you know what? Okay, cool. Well, I was going to make it this kind of movie. I'm going to I'm going to do something a little un, non-traditional. Right, right. And because of that, you know, people just wanted to see a woman kick ass. And, and they got a melodrama, they got basically a soap opera. Yeah. Um and, and 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 it made me think about something in particular. So HBO Max as we know has some rules to these releases. Like um I think when something good comes out, you'll feel that feeling of that time block that you have to watch it and when it'll be removed. You know? Yeah, there's yeah, there's yeah, going to yeah. be movies that come out this year like maybe the King Kong movie or something like that where people are like, yeah. "Oh my god, did you see that movie?" It's going to be gone in 3 days. Like hurry up and see it, it's going to be gone. Wonder Woman could leave and I wouldn't think twice about it. And and that, right. that doesn't feel good. That, I hadn't yeah. even thought about that part of it right. since until you said it. So that tells me something because you're right. If I had loved this movie or had felt that charge, we would have watched it a couple times. Yes. Being like being those sneaky stealers you were talking about, Ronald, being like, oh, folks, yeah. before, hey, tip, <laughs> hey, pro tip before it leaves the service, watch it a couple more times, you know? Yes. But I mean, like, no, I definitely think that that would have been the feeling. And I think what's interesting is now that we're a little bit removed because we didn't do an episode right after watching this movie, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my feelings about it are kind of dissipating. They, I kind of have this sort of, hey, it wasn't for me kind of feeling. Yeah, um, yeah. Rather than like this desire to sit down and nitpick. I think there was so much discourse about this. You you saw how many people didn't like this. And then you saw the people that were like, oh, I really liked it. And um, I think the whole tonal thing you're talking about, the most interesting thing to me about my own sort of lukewarm response to it is that it's like if Guardians of the Galaxy 2 had been a misfire in my opinion. I enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I know some people that didn't, that thought it wasn't as good as yeah. the first one. Yeah. But it's right, like, yeah. I went to that movie that was the sequel to a movie that was such a success that they basically brought more or less the same team back to say, okay, do what you want. Yeah. And I think it's, I was a little, I guess, sad, disappointed, uh, alienated, whatever, by the fact that what Patty Jenkins wanted to do when she had that leeway was something that I wasn't that interested in. Because I'm excited about her, and I'm excited about her getting to make the kind of movies she wants to make. In this case, though, I, I don't think that I am I was not the intended audience for the movie that she wanted to make. And, and not yeah. because of any one thing about the movie. I hear people talk about the sort of silly retro tone. I enjoyed Shazam, so I don't think I'm bothered yeah. by a silly retro tone. Um, I think, I mean, actors I was really excited to see, like Pedro Pascal, just fell flat for me or actively annoyed me in this movie. I just felt as it was going along, my own kind of interest in it was kind of dissipating. And, and, and sitting now a few weeks away from it, um, I don't want to bury the movie necessarily, but I am thinking like how strange it is that like, oh, a surefire thing. Patty Jenkins is getting to, you know, you, you liked what she did before. Well, now they know that was a success and they're bringing the team back to do another one. And then that they do this kind of, again, a slightly more experimental, more personal movie maybe than than I was wanting to see. But I can't yeah. tell if this is a movie that failed for me because of how personal and unique it was or if it's a movie that fails for more uh, structural creative reasons. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like the, I kind of feel like the conversation's already been had and we're, we're sort of tagging our thoughts on about this movie. Yeah, um, no, and we, uh, and we don't need to go on long about it, but I think you're being pretty kind. I think the movie's a mess. And I think that, you know, I think the idea that Patty Jenkins was able to make this movie, I, I want to say something real quick. And I, I, I genuinely believe is I think that Warner brothers and HBO, like, you know, this, the, the, the decision that they made for 2021 and what they're doing you know, is one mm -hmm. thing, but I think that their commitment to putting Wonder Woman 84 out 
on Christmas Day as whether that's like a launch pad for that initiative or whatever. I, I think, you know, behind closed doors, I think, you know, there's an acceptance that this movie is not good. You know, I don't know that this movie oh, is the kind of movie that they're okay. that it, that's worth, you know, and I, and I acknowledge that they did not do this for other titles either, but like holding or delaying or whatever until, you know, further down the line, you know, like mm. some studios are doing for their properties. I, 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 I really think that, you know, uh, there's so many issues with this movie. I don't know that it was worth like going back and remarketing it time and time again. I think that ultimately it was something that like they just decided to put on streaming to promote HBO Max and, you know, to basically launch into this another to another thing that they had with, you know, what they've done for 2021. Because the 2021 announcement is not something that they really have to hold to. If the world returns to any sort of normalcy, you know, they, there's nothing stopping them from being like, oh, the second half of the year, we're going to actually, we're not going to do that anymore. Like, we're going to just go back to theaters. But for the first few months of the year, they're going to stick to this. And I think that Wonder Woman kind of being that first mover for what they were trying to do, I believe it, it's, I, I got to believe that they they know this in the movie was not what they thought it was going to be. And I don't, I don't think anybody... I don't think anybody does. I mean, like, I know people who have enjoyed the film, and and I and I'm and I'm jealous of that. Kind of like John, you know, like I wanted to like this movie more, and you know, I didn't love Wonder Woman. I I love her as Wonder Woman, and I loved about two thirds of Wonder Woman, you know, yeah. the first film. You know, the the back third of that film, I think again, the word a mess kind of falls uh, in, in out of my mouth. Common like with these DC movies, but I just think that this movie felt that way for the better part of the film. And I just want to say one thing that in the movie, one of the things I even weeks after I still cannot let go of, even though I do feel like the movie has drifted out of my mind, is that of all the things in this film that are wished to be, why is this film, why is the Steve character a body swap? Yes. What was that? That is something that has bugged me since watching that movie. And because it introduces issues and story yeah. points that you wouldn't have to deal with at all if it at was all. just magic. Yeah, you like know? everything so else it, was. It could just be magic and you wouldn't need to understand it. Yeah. And I would say that the, the, the reason why that really bugs me is because you hear people talk about the actual sort of consent issues this brings up. Oh, my about God. Who, yeah. Who this guy is. But let's is. assume that, that the story wants to deal with a body swap comedy aspect, right? Um, they don't. At all. There's not no. a single scene where he has to pretend to be the other guy no. in a moment. There's not a sense that this guy is some guy who has some some entree into some world that they're going to use yeah. his face or his idea. So they so they make it a body. It's almost like that's an 80s trope they threw in and we're like, oh, people I, will enjoy the fact that we got a body swap idea in here and I think chuckle right, at yeah. it and move beyond. Right. And yeah. they didn't expect how savvy the audience was yeah. going to be because I yeah. saw instantly people saying, this movie grosses me out because of yeah. how this character is dealt with. And yeah. I sometimes you can feel people bringing real world concerns into magic storytelling and you go, okay, let's give this movie leeway. But in this case, it's like, no, they didn't do anything to earn that plot point. It was totally no. unnecessary. So weird. And so you're weird. right. It's it just makes you think about how wishy-washy, no pun intended, the whole wish thing as a, I mean, to me as a storyline, I was like, this is risky because there's wishing going on, but there's no parameters or sense of what the rules are. And right. and it just felt to me like a seven year old wrote that part of the story or something so, like didn't, so a, didn't a man weird. wish that his wife died? Yeah. Everybody like, had a shitty wish. Not one person what? wished for like cancer to be gone or something Kinda. like that. This is Everybody was selfish. I have a like look this this movie was so 
I, I, I feel you on the first Wonder Woman. I felt a little weird about that, too. Um, but it was solid. It was, it was third one, act. It was it the was. CGI yeah, third, third act yeah, that, yeah. that everybody. Everything sort of before that was great. About. Everything yeah. before that was great. Yeah. I think for most people, that movie stopped when she did the No Man's Land charge. That was like that, the climax of the movie. You, yeah. you forget about uh, what's his name, uh, David Thewlis turning into a, a, a pixel man. <clears throat> yeah, it went from that to like me watching this movie and saying, "I never want to see Patty Jenkins make a movie ever again." That it yeah. felt that weird. Like it was like that jarring of a like what happened. Yeah. Yeah, it it felt and, and and there's like talk that Patty had a vision, and she was just like, "I'm doing this. I don't care what you say." And Warner Brothers is like, "Okay, the first one worked. I'm gonna give you leeway." And then this is what came. I just think there are stronger directors, women that could make movies that are that cater to all audiences, hit all sectors, that are considerate of issues that are going on in the world. I just think. Patty Jenkins, man, and she's supposed to be making a Star Wars movie. I know. I was, I, uh, before Jesus, I saw F-O-H. Her, she's making a third Wonder Woman. They've already announced that too. But that was the big like Yo. out of the Star Wars announcements. Patty Jenkins is doing a Star Wars movie. Was like wow to me, and now I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of wow, the way I no. felt about Colin Trevorrow after seeing what was it, um, the Book of Henry? Was that the yeah. name of that movie? Yeah, like when he was set to do the third Star yeah. Wars movie yeah. in that trilogy. As it turns out, his story ideas might have not been that much worse than what they ended up doing or whatever i don't know mm. uh, there's a lot of talk about those movies but yeah. like i remember at the time getting worried about the next star wars movie when i saw the book of henry and i cannot pretend this didn't make me feel the same way where i was like yeah. okay doesn't mean it won't be good just means i'm not going all right patty jenkins you know she she's she's doing it I, and again yeah i hope she continues to get the kind of i hope i think a lot of male directors have a career that is not sunk by one big movie sure. that leaves people cold. So I don't want to see that yeah. happen to her. But it does, st- if you're just going to take the gender out of the situation, um, then you have to say, yeah, like what What does this do to your excitement for her next project? For me, it right. dampens it. Sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, moving off of Wonder Woman 84, anything quick do you want to mention about Soul before we move on to the to the kind of like the guts of our episode? Uh, um, I, thought, I thought it was super powerful when it got to where it was going. Like, you know, there was a midsection of that movie where I was like, oh, it's Pixar up to its old tricks again. And then there was a point where it moved a little beyond that into what the real point of the thing, like, where, you know, yeah. what the what the what the focus was. And I was like, I mean, I'm at a point in my life where I'm asking these questions about direction oh, sure. and, and purpose. And the fact that the movie brings those questions up without coming up with uh, a pat answer to them, I thought was one of those Pixar little, you know, they uh they appeal to the maturity in us as as adults, and I think they coach kids on a certain kind of maturity or something. Uh, that movie has a mature attitude about that's, accepting yeah, what you can't understand. Yeah, yeah. I would say I mean, like soul. I would say soul like the opposite of Wonder Woman, like where it kind of left my mind. Like afterwards, like I feel like I've 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 actually rewatched Soul like three times since since it wow. came out. I mean, partially because my my daughter loves it, and like I, you know, yeah, yeah. I I I I really liked it the first time I watched it. But as I watch it more, mm. it's like I've grown to like it, I love I love that movie. Like it's it's there. Yeah, like what John said, there's there's so much going on, and you know when it gets to the what it's really saying, and you know the way that it does that. Um, and again, like the way that Pete, you know Pete Doctor, you know. I, He's amazing. Like I, some of my favorite Pixar films are the ones that he's kind of put into the world. I just think that, um, you know, he's on like another level in terms of the storytelling and the way they kind of, you know, like dole out some of these little the the bits of information that you learn as you're going through the narrative that really kind of drive home what they're trying to say. Um, and again, like you know, 
weird things like, you know, having, you know, uh, Reznor and Ross do the score. Like, I think the score for the movie is amazing. Like, I thought that stood out to yep. me immediately. And, and unique. Like, it's something so, new for it's a Pixar so weird. movie to feel yeah. that that yeah. electronic and that modern. And I think that the animation reflected that, too. There, there were some neat modern attempts at doing something different with really high-budget animation, but doing something minimalist. And, yeah, the music yeah. kept... So, I mean, honestly, so those good. elements were, were palpably different for yeah. this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. Get it on. It's... it's uh, I'd say it's Pixar's artsiest. Um, it's also... It's easiest to understand. Like, I feel like sometimes when they have these big ideas, sometimes they can be really hard to explain. When you go back and try to explain them to people, like, man, it works like this and this. I could... I could put this movie in front of anybody and they'd get it really quickly. Right. I, you know, representation obviously is a thing that I love in, about it. Um, it's just a beautifully told story. And, and beautiful. Um, like, it's a beautiful film, yeah. too. Be- I mean, like, if you, if yeah. you have uh, uh, anything from a phone screen to an iPad to an Android tablet, this thing looks crystal clear beautiful. Yeah. Every shot looks like a still um, I think that it's one of the better, if not within my top three Pixar movies of all time. It just does something that a lot of the other ones didn't do to, for me. But that doesn't mean that they weren't good. I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, yeah, saying, yeah, like, yeah. it did. It, it, it kicked in something like the depth. We got to stop calling these kids movies, man. Can we? Can we? Can we stop doing that? See, they're can not you kids stop? movies, man. They're stop not. They're that. not kids movies, man. This the death and 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 all this stuff is a really heavy thing to put on a kid and, but i think, I think, I, think what, I think what john said is the key i think it's a great way to put it is that they're coaching i think it's a really yeah. important thing to show kids you know there there's so much texture and nuance to these films that don't exist in a lot of other animation that you know kids of a certain age watch you know it's a little yeah. more surface level type things and i think it's a real opportunity when you watch these with your children and you know especially if your child's of a certain age it is a coaching opportunity. It is it is an it is. opportunity to talk about things, concepts that they maybe don't know and don't understand. And it's it's at least like a opportunity to open the door to something. And not that they're gonna need to understand this movie on the first watch or really ever, depending how old they are, because there's still something yeah. there for kids to look at and laugh at or whatever. But I think it is really good to think of it as a coaching opportunity because it does open the door to heavy concepts. And like we as it adults, does. as mature adults, like it's kind of mind blowing in ways how they come up with to explain these things. Um, you know, like thinking of this and even like inside out, you know, are the two that really kind of come to mind. Like it's just ingenious. Like it's really just so impressive that they see this opportunity to not dumb things down enough that, you know, somebody could get it on a first watch, you know, like that you don't need to, you know, you can, everybody's going to get what they get out of this movie. And you know, if a kid loves it, I guarantee you my child who's three is loving this movie for not any reason like that we're talking about. There's other yeah, things. Yeah. But you know, five years from now when she watches it or 10 years from now when she watches it, there'll be things there for her to learn about and I'll look forward to being able to talk to her about those things. So you know, that's something that I look forward to and that's something that I think that Pixar provides value in filmmaking that doesn't exist in a lot of other places. Well, that's, it's doing, that's the reason. Oh, go ahead, Ronald. It's doing good work. I'll say that, man. Like yeah. If, yeah. if there's anything that I could take out of these movies, like whatever... I know this is like a weird thing to say, but it's like there's there's like kind of humanitarian work being done. Like there's Absolutely. like a, a level of of like uh, trying to trying to explain life and death in a way that isn't hypercritical 
of life choices and all that stuff. But think about it. Like, don't be a terrible person. Yeah. But think about it. You know, think about your path. Think about how you treat people. Think about that stuff. That's just so beautiful, man. I, yeah. You know, I take that out of all the films, but this one, it hit me extra hard. So, Yeah, I, 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 you know, that's why when you guys asked me, I had seen it before you had. And yeah. I said, it mm. might be middle of the pack Pixar, but it's still really great. Like, I just meant they've done this so many times where they, yes. they do one of these movies. And so to me, the whole thing is, how do I feel about it the next day, the week later, whatever? And to echo what you said a minute ago, Steve, I found myself thinking about this movie so much yeah. after I saw it yeah. that I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, they got me again. It, it Even planted the I, seed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they really, they really, I mean, you know, the the Inside Out comparison, I, I would think Coco too, these, these yeah. movies that take something metaphysical that we've all thought about and manage to make it into something tangible and make it into like a parable or something, you know, that, that yeah. illustrates things. Um, I would actually add to what you said about watching it with a three-year-old, Steve, because I remember watching Toy Story 3. That was, I think, Henry's favorite or first movie in the theaters. Like, we we took him to see that because we wanted mm -hmm. to see it. And I was beside myself because he was a toddler and I was watching this in the third yeah. one. That's where you get all the yeah. stuff with Andy growing up, you know. So yeah. it was totally like hitting these buttons for me as a, as a big kid looking at my kid and then but I, he, he does absorb, maybe not from the movie, but from us, yeah, the themes totally. that we think are important. So it's also like, again, I mean, not to say that you won't be the kind of dad like I would be. Like, we we all are doing this thing nowadays if where we sit down and we talk about our feelings with our kids. You know, we should be. Yeah. But these absolutely. movies give you this weird framework. And I think what you might be surprised with one day with Sid is that there will be like a shared sort of way of it's like sensitivity is a hard thing sometimes with with kids that are growing up, like how to coach them in that stuff you have a shared uh, cultural framework of movies that have dealt with these things i mean not to be too corny right. about it but what you said yeah, about no. the kind of higher purpose of pixar ronald there is something that beyond the fact that they're going to make you know all this money and the fact that they know they've got this huge hold on like the market of, of family yeah. viewing the best pixar movies really do try to give you a little something extra about humanity that sticks with yeah. you and whether it's whether it's like intended to be oh this salve for the soul or if it's a marketing thing and they're just really good at it i mean they nail something and yeah they, they get something about existence that they're willing to explore um uh and yeah if you haven't seen soul because you just didn't know what the hook of it was or you didn't quite gather from the marketing what it is i assure you there's a point midway into the movie when the hook of the movie will get you and you'll be sort of glad that you got to discover it in the movie and not you know from the trailer yeah yeah totally agree so yeah so Wonder Woman 84 going to be on HBO Max for I guess another few days right isn't it 31 yeah. days or something like that yeah. um, Disney Plus got Soul if you haven't seen it definitely recommend that one if you haven't come around to that but um, so now we'll move talk more about a couple shows that we have been watching um, I guess the first one was we, we, we were fortunate enough to be able to check out some episodes of uh, the se second season of Servant on yes. Apple TV Plus the series um, that's produced by M. Night Shyamalan and uh I think in general, weren't we all kind of like positive on the first season? Yeah, I mean, I mixed I, positive I, I or was, I was I was let about... down by the very last episode of yeah, the season. Yeah, I remember, right, I remember right. thinking I think, yeah, that we were wherever right, it was going, it didn't get me enough. It didn't leave me at the right place. Mm. But but I remember um, it was on my like best TV of the year right. list. But I had not seen the last. 
right. episode or <laughs> episode. two of the season. And I said that could mess it up for me. And I do think it wouldn't have been on my top list had I seen the last episode. But the tone and the feel of this show and the atmosphere of it is so much what you want from it anyway. Yeah. That yeah. getting to watch more of it, part of it is just dipping into that into that mood and that tone again. Because this is yeah. like, it's M. Night Shyamalan. It's like that thing he does where he writes characters that behave and speak like no other human beings ever have. Like you wonder what yeah. people he's been around, but it's like, if you, once you accept this is like heightened land, this is like actors doing something interesting land. Um, you know, it, it's the second season. So far, I, I would say it's just as weird and interesting. And the atmosphere is just as present uh, as it was in the first. And it's maybe a little bit zanier in terms of what's actually happening in the story. Like it moves a little faster and yet still feels like the, the slowest burn ever. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I look, we can only talk about the first two, right? Like the first two episodes are fresh in my mind. Um, this yeah. picks up only uh, a couple of minutes, right? Uh, like this yeah. couple of minutes yeah. after the first season ends, which yeah. I love, by the way. I don't like when they're like six months later. This picks up right in the middle of the action, and I gotta say, like sometimes in in M Night's creating these worlds, I get so confused by what I'm supposed to be rooting for or against or pacing. Is there something wrong? Like I feel like I'm in this world. But like it, it's it decides when it wants to move really slow and really fast. I'm very confused about the pacing of things and the way that time works in this world. And you wonder how deliberate the laughs, <laughs> like you're laughing yeah. at it, and you know that yeah. sometimes you're yeah. supposed to, and yeah. sometimes you wonder if you're supposed to. No, I, Ronald, you seem to be talking about a ripple effect of the kind of heightened, bizarro world yes. that, like, yes. where you don't it, remember when we said, and this is a different thing, but it's a similar feeling as a viewer when we said. Mm -hmm. Um, that we couldn't quite read some of Nicole Kidman's acting in The Undoing, and the camera yeah. is playing on her as though we're supposed to be getting something from her, but we're not sure we're getting it. I think that sort of mood thing, when you have characters that act like nobody's supposed to act, and they're doing things that you wouldn't do, it's hard to know what you're supposed to think of their behavior. Are we supposed to think they're all fools? Are we supposed to think, oh, yeah. I, I would do the same thing in this situation? I think that is like... Sometimes, and maybe that's a part of this show's appeal, is that it does put you in this weird world. Like the second season, much more so than the first, to me feels like, well, there's nobody here acting normal. Like there's nobody here that is doing anything that's like a semblance of like logical behavior. Um, but right. again, I wonder how intentional that is. It really does seem yeah. like they're embracing something bizarre about the tone of this show. Uh, like the actors seem to be leaning into it. So, I, you know, I wonder if that's the point of this thing is just to present us with so much weirdness. Yeah. And you, the the fact of the matter is, you won't see anything like this. Like you know, I, I guess Bly Banner would probably be the closest thing in terms of, uh, you know, like a a horror based episodic thing that's going on. Yeah. But yeah. this is this is something within itself. It feels like just a movie that is split up in the episodes. Like if if if, if that gives anybody any context, it really is. The pacing is like a movie. The pacing is like uh, something out of a, a crazy M. Night Shyamalan worst case scenario horror film. And I think there's something about that that is very unique that I, I, could, I couldn't suggest anything to counter that in terms of like, man, here's something like this, but better. I don't know anything that really exists like this in episodic TV. I don't, I've never seen anything like it. I don't know. 
Is that weird? That you know what I mean? Like, it, no, it has it, a lot it's, of it's, things that that feel different about it. Honestly, right down to like yeah. the the opening sequence, the way that it ends, right when an image is starting to emerge, you know, and the fact that it's like a half hour show rather than an hour long show. Most shows of this tone would be hour yeah. long. There's so much about it that, that that feels different, and kind of the rhythm of it is off putting. Um, that I, I feel like that has to be intentional. But you're right, Ronald, that that feeling of being off put is a large part <laughs> of of watching the show. Yes. Yeah. And I know I, that I, some of it is go ahead, go ahead, Steve. I'm okay, sorry. Man, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just think there's something about whatever the mysticism beside behind whatever's happening does lend itself to some of the like tug uh, tug of war that's happening with somebody trying to figure it out and you know, there's like the, there's a power dynamic that's happening. Like people are trying to make sense of things and that shifts the dynamic a little bit. And sometimes when you're in somebody's world, it, it, the time is a little different than it would be if you're in some of the scarier characters in this show. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah. I, I really don't know where I fall on this show right now. Like, I feel like yeah. I came mm. out of the first season with the exception of that last episode, like John said, really a pretty big fan of the show. But I think the thing that really is kind of so far in this season, and I know it's early for what we're able to talk about, um, but I think one of the elements, like the, the whole child element being removed in this first episode, you know, yeah. how, the season, how season one ends, you know, the looming, uh, the looming kind of presence of what ultimately sets this whole story into play. I think, I feel like so far, I feel like it's hurting this season for me. I feel mm. like, you know, the, the, the game or like the, the, the problem or the, the mystery, whatever you want to call this, that they're kind of working through in these first couple episodes to learn more about the cult and to like learn more, you know, where's Leanne, things like that. Like, I feel like it's becoming more of a, I feel like that kind of approach to it is really kind of making the things that John said earlier about like these characters, while I love these character actors a lot, like I, I, I love Toby Kebbell in general, specifically mm -hmm. him. You know, a lot of the things that are happening in the show, you you start to pay more attention to how they just don't make sense when, you know, they are not kind of still overshadowed by what is going on with the child, you know, from the first season. And I think that that child not being present or, you know, that not being constantly what we're talking about or like seeing as a reminder, because there's something to be said for like that visual reminder in that first season of seeing that doll and seeing a child and seeing a doll that is maybe now a child, you know, like the, the weirdness of that. There's a weird bit of movie magic to that, Steve, honestly, sure. that, that's disquieting. But when even though, you know, they can just cut to a child or the doll. But right. you're right. The tension between seeing that very lifelike doll and then seeing the human kid. And in the first season, not necessarily understanding right. why it's one at one time and, and a different at another. You're right. No, honestly, that that is that's the simplicity of that is almost entirely missing from from what we jump into with season two. So far, so far. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll talk more about the series as it goes along, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I just, yeah. There, the, the slowness, like the plotting, like I, I'm all in on, on, on the long game and like waiting it mm -hmm. out. But I just feel like a lack of a presence that I think is really kind of what made the show for me the first season. And it does feel like there's a bit of a spinning wheel happening right now where mm. um we're an we're apple spending... spinning wheel <laughs> or like a blood sweat and tears spinning like wheel a... yeah I don't, you take your pick but i just like you know of spending too much time with characters going over and over and over things that no one would go over once and we're going over them multiple times with them while we're waiting for more information about you know 
the kid or yeah. this cold or whatever it might be. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a little cold on this season personally so far, but we'll see as it goes along, um, you know, kind of where if that changes. But I think thriller storylines depend on like relatable behavior for you yeah, to feel totally ensnared in them. And I think if you're yeah. too off footing, it's like and it's why some people like can't handle something like David Lynch or something, even though there is a lot of cool pulp or genre elements in something like that. But the fact that it sometimes might end on a weird rhythmic beat or not a plot beat, you know, like people can't handle storytelling or, or tend to not favor storytelling that doesn't let them get a footing and doesn't let them know who they should yeah. be rooting for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do think that that is kind of an issue. And I also think the M. Night Shyamalan method, like I think part of that uh, disappointment like if it were a, a one or two season show or even just one bang up like 10 episode story, I mm -hmm. think that the tension and the, my interest level would be so much more uh, like I'd feel much more comfortable investing it. But when I heard even in the first season that he had a plan for like five or six seasons, I was like, so you mean we won't really know what this is about for that right. long? Because if right. anybody can make you wait to find out what's going on, we know he can do it. And yeah. I honestly think and we're about to talk about another show that has a serialized structure that I think might be part of the appeal. I think that in this case, knowing M. Night Shyamalan, like it made the first season interesting because it's like, oh, wow, this is his energy transported to a show. But his shows, his ideas are so hermetically sealed with the amount of details that come in, you know, that like it lays down that twist and that suspense and that mystery. It's so exacting. I think television yeah. show worlds have to be a little bit bigger and a little bit more have more characters and story moving in and out of it. And honestly, I think in the second season, it's hard to figure out what the world thinks is going on and why their house isn't crawling with cops and why they aren't <laughs> world famous just for what the what they yeah. know they've done. Like, yeah. it yeah. would appear to people that she had a kid and then doesn't have a kid, and yet she's, yeah. she's back to work, but she's kind of acting crazy. I mean, I don't want to say too much, but I'm just saying it. I kept feeling that same thing of like, like again, like I said, shouldn't the cops be involved? Like, shouldn't they have more yeah. more explaining to do yeah. uh, about what they're doing? You know, these people. But once you realize, nope, the whole point is like mm. to get away from that reality. You have to kind of accept it or not. But I think that that's one thing that does hurt the thriller aspects of this is that yeah. it doesn't feel like they exist in. And I mean, it's I keep saying this, but it's another way it doesn't exist in a world I recognize is that they. Yeah. The, the story went beyond like in a movie you can do that you can keep it so hermetically sealed and just let this detail in and this detail in and then at the end have the twist with a show you need more story than that you need more character than that um and if he's just going to try to draw out this central mystery of what the hell is going on for six seasons um ugh. <laughs> yeah yeah it might be a challenge yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that second episode of season two will, I guess, air the day this podcast comes out. Um, but the premiere of season two was on the 15th, um, for those looking for it, um, on Apple. And Apple you can go back and watch all of season one, you know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah. Binge it. Uh, the other one that you just mentioned, John, that we're going to get into a little bit now, um, we got the first two episodes from, uh, WandaVision on Disney plus, um, mm -hmm. just like kind of Marvel's first kind of. The MCU, Marvel Entertainment, the MCU as we know it, getting into like serialized, you know, TV series all within the same universe that we've spent, you know, the last decade plus with. Um, and, you know, this is kind of the start of, I guess this is the start of the whole like phase four uh, effort that Marvel is going to be putting forward. And this is the first mm -hmm. one that comes out. You know, this is a, a, the series just dropped last week, the first two episodes, and then they're going to do the episodes weekly. Um 
And like you mentioned, I think well before we were recording, Ronald, something interesting you mentioned was that like, you know, that they're kind of promoting the idea that, you know, this series, as they kind of dole out the episodes, will eventually lead in to like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is the next one, which will eventually lead into Loki, which is the next one. Meanwhile, in this theatrical world, you know, they're going to still have Marvel movies coming out eventually in some way, shape or form that will all be a part of the same thing. So that's really kind of wild. It's a first kind of of its kind. And, you know, that's nothing new for Marvel because they're kind of breaking, you know, the mold with everything that they do with their storytelling, with the IP that they have. And, you know, it's some of the most beloved, most successful, most positive, you know, most people can talk pretty positively of this. Um, But yeah, this is the first one that come out on the streamer uh, on Disney plus episodes one and two, as they are titled episode one and two. Um, what, 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 what was your take on this? Uh, I guess Ronald, if you want to kind of jump in first. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I was, I've been counting down the days because, you know, I, Steve, you and I bought years and years worth of Disney and, and obviously <laughs> we are, we are what they call early adopters. Yes. And, and a lot of it, obviously for the back catalog, but let's sure. be honest, definitely, definitely. We were, very excited about the Marvel product. And it took a little while for it to come out. Yeah. And I can honestly say these first two episodes are so jam-packed full of content that I'm a little overwhelmed a little bit in a good way. I'm thinking, how are they going to resolve this in, what, eight, nine episodes? Right. Um, I think nine but, total. Yeah, nine, yeah. But what, I can, what I've seen, you know, this sort of homage to the uh, Dick Van Dyke show and uh, Bewitched is some of the best i mean if even if these were just sitcom episodes some of the best tv yeah, i've seen in yeah. a really long time some some heartwarming material that just has a lot of stuff it's it's kind of like the, the the way we were talking about pixar two things happening at once you're watching yeah. something you're like okay you can watch that as a sitcom somebody could come in and watch it and be like man this is the craziest sitcom i've ever seen or if you're watching it as a marvel fan it's jam packed full of hints of things that are to come and I'm excited as shit, man. I'm, I'm, I'm perfect two episodes. I mean, weird, weird as hell, but damn near perfect in their presentation and what they're bringing to this to the table. And I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, there are two words that are kind of in my mind based on what you guys said and kind of what I was thinking watching this show. There's boldness, which is like we've been criticizing Marvel kind of even when we love the movies for not trying. Yeah to break the mold, you know, not yeah. trying to break the stylistic template, the tone, that Marvel house style. And I think this show feels somehow like it's got that Marvel patina over it still. It fits in, Definitely. Yeah. but right. it's different. Yeah. And the fact that they're willing to let you get two episodes, like when they when they released two episodes, I thought, oh, there must be something in the second episode that takes this concept a little further to, because, you know, a lot of times when they do that, you can tell they want audiences to know what they're getting. They don't want to give you yeah. a first episode that leaves you going, huh? And leave you, um, yeah, lose you. But but I was kind of surprised. It got to the end of the second one, and it didn't do that much to break the concept or to go beyond the kind of what the heck is happening here feeling. Right. Um, and that's right. my other word. There's boldness, and then there's mystery. And I think <laughs> this is something Marvel hasn't been able to do for us yet that the comics used to be able to do all the time. 
have a yeah. storyline going for a while where you're like, what is happening? Who's the villain? What, what are the, where are they? What is this world? And I think the movies, even though they can preserve the twist, like for instance, Jake Gyllenhaal, the character he was playing was sort of kept from the marketing, but everybody knew from the earliest casting <laughs> announcement, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal's playing the villain. And it's probably yeah. this, and there's this reference <laughs> and there's that. So you go into a Marvel movie kind of knowing what the general plot might be. I mean, they have, pulled the rug out from under us in a few key ways but in general you know who the villain is you know what the story is you know how this might connect even to the next movie and then the next movie yeah. we don't know that about wandavision i mean we've heard about how it sets up things for the new spider-man <clears throat> we've heard that she's going to be a big character in the doctor strange doctor movie strange, coming next yeah. year um so i think we're getting into multiverse stuff i think we're getting into like the extent of her powers which comic fans are excited about because she can do mm -hmm. amazing shit world-changing shit. Um, so it's cool to see them tapping into that. And yet, episode two, because they can do this now, they can almost take the Star Wars approach to the marketing and just show you a few clips and say, you're going to watch this. You yeah, don't need to know absolutely. what the story is. You don't need to know who the villain is. There's so many great actors in this. If you look at the casting list, there's old favorites from Marvel. There's still a few new people coming in. Um, I find that part of it really exciting, the fact that it's something mm. new and that I don't know what it is yet. And, and unlike yeah. Servant... Um, and unlike Wonder Woman, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm trusting the MCU at this point yeah. that, that they have and even taken the extra time they have to polish this into something that's going to feel essential and fun. And like you guys were saying, something the family can sit down and watch and be like, what? <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a great feeling. Yeah. That's super yeah. fun. Like my son who's 13, who you would think would be checked out of the sitcom parodies, was totally down with it and said, that was like a good sitcom on top of, of what it is. But he also was like, it gets to that part where the, each episode has some element where they you start to see a, a wait what's yeah. what's happening here. Yeah. Um, I, my son found those things really compelling. Like, so if you're worried, is this something that only people who are nostalgic for some of these old sitcoms will enjoy? That's not even the case. This this right. this show manages to sort of like explain itself on its own terms to you, even if you're not feeling the the retro nostalgia part. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I think I think there's so much going on uh, in these shows, like Ronald was saying, and I think that like, oh, in this show rather, but I think it's something that you know Marvel, while they've been criticized, like you know you said, John, for maybe not not breaking that mold or kind of going a little off and doing something different, it does seem that you know a lot of these things that they've announced from this phase four, you know, whether it's theatrical or streaming, they do seem a little different across the board. There does seem to be. You know enough of the things that you're used to but enough of like different kinds of movies like what they've been promoting the doctor strange film as being you know and all the crazy rumors about what spider-man 3 will be um so it does it does feel like they're trying to take the uniqueness of each property even further than they have before and this is like the prime example probably of anything marvel's done of, of how weird it can get and mm -hmm. i yeah. think that that's i think that that's really important not only for Marvel, for the MCU, but I think it's important for like the Disney Plus platform because, you know, I think it will kind of really show people that are in on the MCU how important this could be to what they want to watch, you know, in their movies. And I think yeah. that, you know, they've been promoting that hardcore from the jump when they announced these shows. But even from two episodes in, you can really kind of get a sense of what this is going to mean for movies and you know where this does tie into some of the bigger theatrical titles for some characters that we don't get to spend a lot of time with you know in yes. the big titles you know you don't get to spend a lot with vision and wanda or you know with uh with bucky and you know the falcon you know it, it you or even loki you know like these are characters that people really love and like these shows 
really kind of give an opportunity for those characters to kind of become a little more fleshed out. These actors and actresses time to shine in these roles, which I think they really do. And I think Elizabeth Olsen is doing some, you know, she's great in this series so far, better yeah. than she's been in any of the movies. And that's key too. Cause I mean, like it really does build out this stable of talent that Marvel has invested so much time and money into yeah. that they can put a show like this out and not have it be a marquee character per se. And like, it's really, really captivating and really great. Um, you know, and the idea well, of what this show will be in terms of like these different episodes being like different generational sitcoms, you know, just that element of like what a gener what the sitcoms look like generationally, you know, from like the fifties to the nineties or whatever, you know, the, the current day, whatever ends up being. Um, I think that even lends itself a lot to, the storytelling of maybe where this show is going or where a lot of people think this show is going. Um, but just in a really unique and original idea. And I think that, you know, that's a big swing for Marvel. And um, I think it's a real big, you know, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big flex too, to know that you can make something this odd and everybody that I've talked to has like really been into it. And, you know, people, again, we talked about at the top of the show, the access to this, I see more people posting about WandaVision, you know, the, on Friday and Saturday than I've seen posts about most things that have come out. You know, that's yeah. just maybe with the exception of Mandalorian, which is also on that platform. But, you know, it's 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 the title that everybody's talking about to the point that like my wife's father, who I don't even know if he's ever watched a Marvel movie. I'm sure he has. <laughs> but like he's texting mm -hmm. me asking me for my Disney Plus login because he wants to watch WandaVision. You know, like that's yeah. the that's the, that's how much it's permeated. You know, the culture in terms of how important these that's titles cute are. AF, Steve. That's cute, cute AF. AF. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, it's just like that kind of thing where, like, you know, I think they they've they've earned it, and I think that they really are just kind of like plowing into this uncharted territory for entertainment and you know just storytelling and what 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 they can do with two different playing fields you know two different ways of yeah. experiencing these titles and i mean i'm i'm excited to watch more of this one i, I really love the first two episodes and I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with it um we mentioned how good she is paul bettany is so pitch perfect oh my god in this yeah. and seems to be having a blast like i, I mean yeah. if you look at it you go okay if you're if you're an actor this show is going to give you this fun acting challenge of like yeah miming the or not miming but mimicking the sort of tone of com of light comedy acting for that decade and yeah. i'm getting really excited about where they might go with some of the later more kind of um cynical forms of comedy that they might do yeah. and but i just yeah. wanted to add something on to what you were saying there steve for just a second about the the level these characters are at scarlet witch and vision have decades of great stories in the comics so there's all this character development and their romance is a big part of different parts of their story those are things you're right you can show in the movie and these big movies that have 20 or 30 characters they're trying to service and you can give them moments those are good characters in the movies that they're in but the idea of getting to spend actual time with them like a little bit of laid back time is something that only these shows could give so whereas you might think oh it's a bummer you don't get a movie scarlet witch but you get a show it's almost like it's an interest it takes these non-marquee characters and gives them a chance to become become yeah. more marquee because suddenly we're going to be invested in them. And if they manage to actually keep the quality level up and there's characters dancing between the movies and the TV shows and they can pull some some, you know, like uh, Mandalorian this last season, prove to us that they aren't withholding big universe moments from yeah. this television stuff. I don't oh, think yeah. Marvel's going to do that either. I think important stuff's going to happen in these shows. 
Um, and I'm not saying, oh, because it'll affect the next movie. I'm not so much talking about the sequential portion of it, but just the fact that giving these characters room to breathe and the kind of stories they can tell, I could see eventually thinking the shows are the the really good part of this. You know, there might be Absolutely. people that don't like the movies, but love the way the shows give you a different feel. There's an upcoming show. They haven't said when, but the Secret Invasion show uh, starring Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn, uh, like whatever you want to think about Marvel, the fact that we're getting a sci-fi uh, like action adventure espionage show starring Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, OK, yeah. give me that. So uh, the it's fact that crazy. they can do some really cool stuff with these characters that we've seen in the movies, but not seen like big stories built around them. I think that creates a really new spot for these, quote unquote, secondary characters. <clears throat> yeah, I think what's really cool is um, Kevin Feige is a bastard. Let me tell you why. <laughs> he takes properties that we know. Thing, even if you read a comic book, you know, House of M, you know, some of the references to Pleasantville and things like that. And he's like, you know that, but I'm going to do something totally different than you've seen before. And right. it changes it a little bit. So if you have some reference to it, it does help, but it doesn't guarantee that you're going to know what's going to happen. Because right. they take the resources that they have within the world and then they kind of twist it up yeah. and make it yeah intermingle it in a way that is pretty crazy because you know i've i've read some of the vision comics where he's you know in this utopia that he's in and and house of m references and stuff like that it's it's pretty cool what's happening and one thing i do know is the references to stark industry and sword and things like that made Strucker. me so excited yeah. that i almost fainted and that's what I think yeah. is is a really cool thing. Obviously, this world that they're in is some sort of shell, some sort of utopia that's being built. Is she in it f by force or whatever? Did she create I love, it? Yeah. Did she yeah, create it? Did she create it, yeah. Who's, they're mon it's being monitored. We do know that part about it. By whom? You know, we see that it's a sword book or something like that. But what does that mean in terms of, What's going to happen? And still, even with you knowing that information, it doesn't mean that you can solve the mystery. And yeah. I think there's something so really cool about that. So, yeah, I'm right. Excited. Even if you're the biggest comics nerd in the yeah. world, the there's Marvel no movies have stifled your attempt to know what's about to happen. You know, yeah. even with like Infinity War and and like names that are taken directly from comic book stories that are ostensibly telling that story yes. the details are so different you're right you're right you can't lord it over people who didn't read the comics you know you can't like, I, 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 I hate so that happy. anyway but you can't yeah. even do it <clears throat> I read yeah. one of my favorite comics of all time favorite comic book series is Civil War I read the side comics I read the mains and it's like close to 300 comics all together mm -hmm. read them all None of the stuff that happened in that comic happened on the in the movies, and there's something really cool about that. It's it it has the namesake, it has some ideas, but what's happening in the comic is not the same. And I and I like that Kevin Feige respects the properties and does have a cool spin on it. And and I'm this is very much proof of that. So yeah. Yeah, did Ronald just say something nice about Kevin Feige? He did, Look, and man, we have it recorded for prosperity. All right, let's just hold. We've even got video. Yeah, Although his mouth is kind of concealed by his pop screen, so he could claim that he didn't really say that. <laughs> <laughs> we I, like I, don't, I don't think he could <laughs> argue that. Yeah. No, I don't no, that. I wanted to ask you, though, Ronald, and you kind of answered this question, but don't you, sure. even though I can, and again, I, I, I joke, I sort of get your eye rolling i mean it's kind of fun to see you exaggerate it but like your feelings uh -huh. about kevin feige i get them yeah. but don't you think that hearing him talk about the plan at this point is part of what gives you faith 
in the fact that they're going somewhere because this guy yeah. seems like he's not doing things half cocked and he's not doing yeah. them. He seems to understand somehow where this where this franchise, this larger franchise can go. Um, yeah. And he always and thus far, he's produced a lot of individual movies that take you there emotionally, too. So I feel like when he says, oh, I'm excited about where this is going. I kind of am like, I mean, I know he's a marketing guy. and I know that it's just mm -hmm. marketing, but yeah. there is a plan. And, and we've said this before. It behooves them to make good shit because their oh, plan totally. works better if we're on yeah. the hook. And right now, absolutely. They sort of we're have us hook. on the Marvel hook. We were you know what happened was they took Marvel away from us last year. We had to wait. <laughs> we had to wait we for were new Marvel. Exhausted. Yeah, and we, I even know. was relieved to not have Marvel to talk about. Me too. But now that they got me back on the drip, I'm like, yeah, just crank up the dose. Let's you know, go. give yeah. me more. And I love the fact that we're basically straight through weekly now, almost yes. until the next movie, if that comes out in theaters. Um, and then we've got we've got four movies this year. I don't know. The, the movies at this point feel like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with the theatrical landscape? But having yeah. this stuff on uh, Apple TV Plus, not Apple TV, having this stuff on Disney Plus. Um, that's the hard part nowadays is keeping the names of all the streaming <laughs> services straight. But like, that's exciting. It's like, I'm excited when Mandalorian ended and I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. We don't have this family appointment at the end of the week anymore. It's mm -hmm. like, well, now here's our weekly, yeah. you know, Marvel appointment. And, uh, you know, we're all into it. So, so yeah, no, it's exciting. I mean, but one thing, one thing we have to keep mentioning over and over again is the chemistry between the two stars. There's, this, this would not be able to work in a in a story that has primarily just them on the screen, mm -hmm. um, not even doing superhero show, stuff, you know, <laughs> right? Not even doing superhero <laughs> stuff. There's no way this could have worked without the chemistry that these two have. And I can tell you, it's it's like it's popping off the screen. It's it's so good, the chemistry yeah. that Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany have on screen. It is hypnotic, man. They're they're really good on screen together. Yeah, and I love old sitcoms, man. Like I, you know. It, it just is a great show so far. Well, do, do you think it's kind of interesting you catch yourself chuckling at little innocent sitcom jokes like as it goes along? My yeah, whole family funny. laughed when Catherine Hahn checked out the mailman's butt after he walked away. <laughs> My whole family <laughs> chuckled. I don't think we've collectively chuckled at something so innocent <laughs> or so no. like simple. Yeah. I think yeah. that it's funny that like it it's not making fun of the old sitcoms even right down to like the editing techniques and the effects that they use they sort of are using what those effects would have looked like on an old show yes. made it made it in the time rather than marveling them up you know so i think that like there's a lot of love going into that uh, the details of those parodies and so yeah i can't yeah. wait for the 80s and 90s stuff uh I know. if they I get know. if they get up to like um uh single cam uh cringe comedy shows or something like that that'll be so fun to see how they they interpolate yeah. that so yeah anyway. So those new episodes will be coming out every Friday, just like Mandalorian did. So yeah, so we'll be releasing these we'll be, like a week late every week. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah. We'll be recapping with you folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, yeah. we'll we'll give it some time to breathe. You you can watch yeah. over it a couple of times, and we'll have some commentary on it. So yeah, yeah. cool. Um. So yeah. So that's out on Disney Plus again. Servant season two is on Apple TV Plus, and we talked earlier about Wonder Woman eighty four, which will be on. HBO Max for a few more days, I believe, after this podcast comes out. But Soul will be on Disney Plus also. So Disney Plus mm. is a pretty good value these days, I think. Absolutely. Um, so I think we're going to probably wrap it up now. Is we, are we good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, we're good. Man. Okay, cool. So we'll check in next week. Um, hopefully we'll get back together. We'll talk about the third episode of, I guess, Servant and WandaVision and whatever other movies we've seen between now and then. Um did you guys have anything else you wanted to mention or throw out before we close out the episode? 
Uh, one night in Miami. See that movie as soon as humanly possible. It was incredible. That's great. It. That's on Amazon Prime, right? Yes, Amazon Prime. Included in the membership. No extra money. Look, look at that. Included in the subscription. <laughs> look at that. You, you, you love to see it where you don't have to pay you something separate. You right? love to see it. You, you love to you see love it. You love to right. see it. Right. Yeah. I do. Yeah. You're right. I do. <laughs> um, so you can find uh, past episodes, movieshmovie.com, uh, facebook.com slash movieshmovie. And the podcast, if you subscribe to the feeds, it's pretty much on any podcast platform you could be subscri subscribing to. Uh, if mm. it's not, please please let us know and you know we'll try to get on there. But we should be pretty much everywhere at this point. Um, yep. If you uh, if you happen to check out this episode on Facebook or somewhere where we can interact with you, definitely comment on the post. Let us know what you thought of Servant or WandaVision, Wonder Woman, so anything like that or maybe something you saw between the last time we talked in this episode that you want us to make sure we've seen also. We'd appreciate the feedback and uh, always up for discussion. I uh, love talking yeah. to anybody who takes the time to listen to us. So um, please do that if you have an opportunity. Also, if you have an opportunity, if you subscribe through iTunes, please leave a review or a star rating. Please. Only please. if it's a five star and only if it's extremely positive. Um, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, don't listen to anything I just said. Um, but yeah, man, it was good talking to you guys. I'm glad we got back together and uh, kind of got Absolutely. it going again. And, and we'll we'll get back together next week. And uh, Okay. All right, cool. As always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye. Happy New Year.